The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, welcome back into the podcast that we like to call From the Podium, where you hear directly from your Kansas City Chiefs. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. We're officially one week away from the NFL draft here in Kansas City. On Thursday, we heard from Chiefs General Manager Brett Veach. It's been a while. Um, certainly excited for next Thursday. Um, I know the, the entire organization is looking forward to seeing the show Kansas City puts on. I'm sure it'll be a great show. A lot of buzz around uh, the city, a lot of excitement around the building. Um, you know, Before we get started, I certainly want to thank my staff for all their hard work. It's um, Since that Super Bowl parade, it's been combine meetings, combine free agency, back to combine meetings, and uh, they've been really putting in the um, extra work up there along with the coaching staff. So can't thank them enough. And, um, again, look forward to next week. And with that, we'll open it up for questions. Hey, uh, Brett, um, can you go into the, the major free agents you signed and what you liked about them and what, what you feel like they fit here? Taylor, Romanehu, Edwards, Frank Wool, Richie James? Yeah, yeah, certainly. All, all good players. Um, you know, starting off first with Jawan Taylor, just a guy that we liked from his days in, uh, in college at Florida. A really, really athletic player. Um, you know, as we all know, he played right tackle in Florida predominantly. He had some snaps at left tackle, played right tackle in the NFL. But um, he's a guy athletically. I mean, he's long, quick feet, really, really efficient pass protector. And uh, I think it was in the secret that once free agency started, um, you know, uh, a tackle was at the top of that list. And, you know, we think we have great flexibility with him. He certainly wants the opportunity to play left. But, I mean, if we were to draft a left tackle, I mean, um, we, we know what Dewan's tape looks like uh, at right tackle there. So excited to get him. With Charles, um, you know, having um, having our roster set up where we're losing some guys at the time, and we'll, you know, we'll see some of these guys are still out there, but like Frank and and um, uh, Carlos and, and Colin, um, you know, we were a little bit depleted there on the defensive line. So I think Charles was a guy that made a lot of sense for us. He can play a lot of base end uh, on early rundowns, but I think the thing that really appealed to us was um, his his inside pass rush ability. Um, he's long, he's athletic, and again. We just feel like pairing him with Chris Jones inside on third downs is something that um, will be really beneficial for us. Then you get to Mike Edwards. Mike Edwards was a guy that we actually have a lot of familiarity with. Um, a couple years ago, when Matt House was here, we brought him from Kentucky. He was a DC at Kentucky. Um, he coached Mike Edwards, and since then, my, um, Matt's now down at LSU. And once we started this free agency process, you know, we we uh, we talked to Matt, and um, you know, recalling his days at Kentucky, just the scheme fit here. And even though Spags doesn't run exactly what Matt did in Kentucky, there's a lot of carryover. 
So from an X and O standpoint, that just fit the bill with one leaving here and one to third safety uh, made a lot of sense. And then the last one, sometimes it's just really good value with Drew Tranquil. I don't know if we went into the free agency um, saying linebacker was a super high priority. Um, I think we probably focused on the O and D line predominantly. Um, but then as free agency goes, there's always some guys that for some reason or the other are just out there and they're really good players. And uh, um, we just picked up communication because um, Drew Tranquil actually has the same agent as Juju. So when we were trying to work through that Juju situation, um, once we congratulated um, Juju's crew and his, his team of agents, um, you know, we were made aware that you know, Drew Tranquil was still out there. And um, having had a lot of experience playing against him, knew how good he was. And a guy that can play all three positions, he can play Mike, he can you know, wear the green dot and back up Bolton, he can play some well, and he can play some on the line of scrimmage, great blitzer, great in pass coverage. So I think all three of those guys, you know, four of those guys made sense for us, and I think they'll be really key. Uh, additions. What about Richie James? Richie James too, and so um, again, he's got to play in, with Mike Kafka last year in that you know Dayball uh, offense in, in New York. Um, versatile player, you can move him around a lot. Middle Tennessee State guy that we liked. Actually, I think a few years ago there was uh, a trading deadline period when he was at the Niners. I think we actually tried to trade for him, one of those you know waiver wire cut day deals. But uh, always like the player. Think he's um, a versatile guy, and, and he also does punt returns too. And so we can take some pressure off of KT or Sky or whoever's back there. Just having another guy is, is something um, we think is a plus. Brett, with, with the number of people we expect or everybody expects to be here, particularly if it's good weather, 500,000, whatever it's going to be, how tough would it be to do the right football thing maybe, and that is trade out of the first round? How do you have a party and then not have the birthday cake? Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't think it would, it would be hard at all. I, I know there was a lot of joking last year about Clark saying you can't trade a pick. And... Um, you know, listen, maybe there was some truth to it, um, but I think that applied more to, uh, you know, in the off season or like last summer, you know, I mean, we're here now. So I think a trade down is part of the draft and it gives people more of a reason to come back um, on Friday and see us um, do even more work. But that's, I think we're at the party now, so it's all, it's all up in the air and, and I think anything's a possibility. Right, when it comes to the draft in totality, where do you see the value pockets in, in this year's class? I think it's a good defensive back class. I, th I think there's a lot of corners. I think it's, um, you know, I, every year you go to the combine, you have a group of guys in one, a group of guys in two, and then usually they kind of work themselves up either, you know, higher on a tier or lower on a tier, and it seems like all those guys in that second wave of corners went to the combine and ran 4-3. The numbers were crazy. These are all big, athletic, um, fast corners. I think it's a really good draft in the, um, in the defensive backfield. Um, I think there's depth late in the linebacker position. Um, tight end class is good. Um, so I think, that, you know, it, it's on how you see the board, and every team will see it differently. And, you know, I think it may, it may you know, be viewed to some teams as really deep um, because those are the, like, if you need a DB, I think you think it's a really good class. And, if, you know, if you're, you're pretty good at that position, um, you might say it's a, a thin class. Um, but like every year, I mean, there'll be chances and opportunities to get guys in certain different rounds that um, make a lot of sense and get really good value on. So we just have to be... Um, you know, on point with our board like we have been in the past. What do you make of just your wide receiver situation as it stands and also just heading into the draft and this year's class there? Yeah, I think it's like a lot of these positions. I think you always are looking to get um, more talent and, and get deeper. Uh, there's a lot of players we like and um, certainly MVS and um, Sky and Tony um, brought Justin Watson back, Richie James. So we have really good players and we can certainly go out there and line up and win games. But um, I'd say the same about the offensive line, the defense line. 
um, in the receiver position, I mean, we're always looking to get deeper and more athletic and more talented. So, um, I mean, we're happy with the guys we have, but um, like every team in this draft, we can find ways to make our team better. Greg, what led to Zay Flowers being able to do the workout with Pat? Obviously, Pat has been involved <clears> in the draft yeah. in previous years to some degree. Um, how does that come about, and what do you feel like you gained with Pat's eyes even before the draft? That's... I think it has more to do with the, the power of Pat Mahomes. I mean, these guys are, it's funny because these guys are working out all over the country, and, and I think it's, uh, it's no secret Pat's down there on a college campus, and he's working out with um, pro players from other teams. He's working out with college players. I think some high school players are, are there. So these good players and the agents, they know where the good players are, and um, they connect, and, and, you know, they have a workout. But, um, you know, I, think, I don't think it was a secret. It wasn't like it was a a private indoor facility that was closed off to the public. I mean, there was, a, I think, a documentary around Patrick going on right now, so there's a lot of cameras there. But, no, it was just a really good job by the agent and the player to just get in, get in contact with those guys and, and get in the throwing lines. And um, I think it was really smart by the kid and, and the agent. So, um, But Pat has a lot of fun with that. I think it's really cool that he's welcoming to all these guys, whether it be other players from other pro teams, college guys, or even high school guys. It's pretty cool that... Um, those guys get to say that they threw Pat Mahomes. So what's Pat's advice about him? Drafting? Oh, uh, he has fun with all those guys. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know how much you can get from a 20-minute throwing session. Look quick, you know, um, was in shape. But, uh, but no, he likes it. And, you know, I think there was a couple quarterbacks. I think, you know, Niners had a quarterback down there too. So, um, but I think with players like that, I mean, uh, you know, you've seen them work out at the pro day at the combine. And I think it, it speaks more about the kids just wanting to just be around great players. And so that's a, certainly a positive. How do you see the right tackle position as you guys currently have it, with the candidates being Niang, Winogo, and maybe Canard? Yeah, and I think that's a, that's how we see it, Pete. I think we, you know, we um, have a lot of hopes for for Lucas, and you know, he was a guy that actually won that starting right tackle position. Then he got hurt. Um, it's been a little bit of uphill battle. Um, he had a pretty um, bad injury there, but he has worked phenomenally to get in shape, and, and Rick and his staff has done a great job of continuing to get him in 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 the right positions to, to go out there and be productive and. Prince's guy that has always kind of steadily grown every year he's been here. And um, and I think Kennard, you know, I'm excited for him. And I think he'll have a chance to play um, play some tackle. Um, we certainly think he has flex, and he may end up being ultimately a better guard. Uh, he's played right tackle in the past. And he was a guy that, um, you know, struggled a little early on. But I think um, toward the end of training camp there and throughout the season, um, you know, you guys probably don't get to see as much during the season. But... Um, he, he's, I think, grown rapidly uh, over the last few months. And I know Coach Heck is really excited for where he is. So, um, and again, I think he's a guy that has flexibility. So he'll probably get reps at both guard and tackle there. But between those three guys, and we have three solid guys that can go in there and compete. And, and you know, I'm sure we'll look to continue to add depth all across that offensive line. Bruce, Bruce, you, have, you have missed in previous drafts, to say, to say that. But does that allow you not to be as conservative and possibly get some chances? Mm, I think um, it's a good question. I, I think. Um, We'll have a list of guys that you know we'll, we'll feel like we want to be aggressive on, um, and, and if it works out number-wise, I think we'll sit there in 31, and we'll have a few guys, and if they're there and we think it's in range, reasonable, where we're not giving up a ton, um, you know, I, I can't, I don't see us trading up too high in the draft or anything like that. But I mean, if we're, there's a guy that we really like, and and you know we're in that range, and you know we'll sit here in the next few few days here and determine, you know what range we feel is comfortable for us. Uh, we'll sit there and um, potentially make that move, and we'll be content with, with staying there. I'm sure there'll be a good player there at 31, and, and then certainly be open to trading back if, if all those you know guys that we had in mind are gone. So I think we'll just – I think we'll kind of see how it goes, and 
these things change so quickly and so fluidly. I mean, I, but I don't think we'd be opposed to, to being aggressive if, if we felt the player warranted. Right. You mentioned Rick Coulter's name a second ago, and we know the NFLPA report came out. I know Coach Reed addressed it, that his name was mentioned. But also, they talk about the facility. Coach talked about, well, you know, we know 2031, you guys are going to be probably somewhere else. How often do you get an agent say to you when you're talking free agency, oh, my guy likes it, but your building's not good enough, or we hear bad. Like, does that ever even come up, or is that something that's, have you ever had an agent say, oh, yeah, we I, really like the building somewhere else? I mean, is that I can't, all dollars at your level? It's probably all dollars. I, I'd honestly, I can't sit here and say an agent ever said, um, you know, could go either way, but, you know, you guys need a new indoor. Um, I don't think that ever happens. Uh, I, I think that um, what attracts players and, and, um, and agents here is um, coaching quarterback, and I think Arrowhead Stadium, and I think the, you know, the great fans that we have, I think that um, agents may not see the indoor complex and may not know how to tear or stack that, but they see Arrowhead and the experience there. So I think um, when you have that stadium, uh, the quarterback and the coach, um, I think we do okay um, with those kind of competitive battles. Brett, um, you've got the deadline coming up on Clyde. Do you anticipate exercising that or not? I mean, we'll, I mean, we have some time here. We'll, we'll see. Um, I just think we'll, we'll go through the draft and, you know, we'll handle, handle our business and um, just make, make smart decisions like we always do. Um, I don't think we've, you know, reached a decision on anything yet, but um, safe to say that once we get through the draft, we'll look at our board, look at, um, you know, our off-season business that we have to attend to, some different players and, you know, um, contract stuff, and we'll, we'll handle all of that after the draft. With everything, with everything that you've done with Spag over the past few years, now adding Joe Cullen into the mix, what are the traits that you like to see from defensive linemen, um, whether it's this year's class or just in general? And I guess how much is versatility high on the priority list? Yeah, the versatility is is high on the list on. Um, really all across the board on both sides of the football at every position. I mean, guys, receivers that can play inside and outside and, you know, tight ends that can, you know, be difference makers in the pass game but also blocks and block. And as you mentioned with Steve, I mean, um, you know, this, the intelligence factor, though, and, and you know, Steve, um, every coach wants smart players, but I don't know if I've ever been around a coach that um, puts that premium at the highest level and, and he wants guys that um, – he wants to do a lot of different things, very much like coach on the offensive side. I mean, he wants to do a lot of different things. He wants to give a lot of different looks. He wants to disguise a lot of different co coverages, and he wants these guys to be all on the same page and all in tune and, and be ready to fly and be ready to play fast. And um, But, I, I mean, obviously there would be certain traits with running his scheme and playing four down, being long, athletic, and, and what have you. But certainly just the um, the intelligence factor is, um, you know, and the standard that we set there is, is – it makes it tricky a little bit in the draft because um, – like Trent McDuffie and George Karloftis are great examples. I mean, those guys were, you know, great players, but those guys, I mean, could be coaches in, in down the line. I mean, they're so smart and they're so dedicated. But, um, but, but no, I mean, Steve likes guys that are are tough, versatile, smart, and um, you know, certainly you want to come to work every day. Yeah, I, th I think it was, it, it was, it was kind of the mindset. Uh, I think um, you know we value that position, and um, I know that there was some joking in the past that we didn't value the position, and we'll just find them late. And I think it really speaks more to us. Uh, you know, listen, we're in a 
it's a good problem to have, but we pick late, and, and sometimes those corners aren't there. Either the draft doesn't have the numbers, or the guys that fall later in rounds one or two just maybe for some reason don't fit a medical or character. But I think it just kind of doubles double down on the um, you know the mindset that we have that it is important, and you do have to throw numbers at this. And let's really go to work on these you know fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds. And you know there's other players, other positions that you know for some reason or the other it just didn't work out at corner. If we have opportunities like we did last year with McDuffie, like we're going to do it because we value that position. Um, if we're unable to get a corner, um, we know how those guys, how hard those guys are to find and how expensive they are in free agency. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that was part of the process here. Let's let's throw numbers at at this and let's work with the coaches. Um, let's take a pocket of corners and let's really um, condense those numbers down, give them to the coaches, and have really good dialogue here and, and not be afraid to take multiple guys. How much does that apply to like a different position, like as far as? Have that mindset all across. With, yeah. Oh yeah, I, I think you know the premium positions. You know, line D line corners. I think all those guys. But um, but also too, I think um, it works um, in tandem with the the draft and 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 you know how deep these positions are throughout throughout the board. And last year, you know, it was the running back position. There was a ton, so we just felt like there was more opportunities to get the guys that we had valued in round five and six in the seventh round, just because the numbers suggested. So I think it's working with uh, the premium positions, and it's also working with numbers. So. You're going to prioritize throwing numbers at O-line, D-line, corner. Um, but when you also notice that a, a position group, like, say, running back last year, is super deep, well, there's probably going to be guys that you have as fifth-round talent, maybe even low four, that are there in seven. So I think kind of just um, a matter of working through all the information that the board kind of explains to you. This is a, a quarterback, franchise quarterback contract offseason. Obviously, the guy gets paid next is always going to be the highest paid. What do you guys see maybe – Reworking the deal with Pat, you know, at some point, and where does that stand right now? Yeah, I mean, we're um, we have a special relationship with with him and his agent, and um, you know, we're in constant communication, as you mentioned, Pete. I mean, it's it's one of those things, and I think Coach um, hinted on this his last press conference, where uh, as soon as one guy gets done, it's kind of the blueprint and the model, and two years later, it's it's jumped and exceeded, and so. Um, but you know, I, I think that this organization um, and the relationship we have with Pat will always be working to make sure that um, we're doing right by everybody. And, um, you know, there'll be a couple more contracts that still have to get done, you know, Burrow and, and Herbert. And once they do, I think kind of look at everything and um, assess where you are and what you can do and, and, and take take it from there. When you, were, when you were a kid in Mount Carmel, tracking all the football scouting the way you did, I'm curious how much you followed the NFL draft then and how you followed it. Um, Back then? Yeah. Yeah, no, we, yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, yeah, no, it was, um, it was a lot of fun, and that was something that I think every kid looked forward to, and, and, and draft day, and doing the mock drafts, and, and, um, you know, I, I think I told you guys before, we still look at mock drafts, I mean, who doesn't look at mock drafts? I mean, it's, 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 uh, you know, one of the best parts about this whole process here is, is logging online, and, and checking out different mocks, and who has, who going where, and we have a lot of fun with it, and, um, sparks a lot of debate and, um, you know, kind of those who's going to go first and how many of, of a certain position will go in a certain round and, and what have you. But, um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, my friends always <laughs> remind me of it to this day. I like when we're on the clock and I get a text from, from a hometown friend telling me what to do. So <laughs> that's, always, that's always good. From Bentville now, are you still a little amazed at what the draft has become in terms yeah. of the, the space it occupies? What's your sense of how it got to be that? 
Yeah. Well, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, you know, Vahe, I, I don't know if I ever thought about it, but when you, you know, you kind of throw that question out there, it's just absolutely amazing from where this has gone to now traveling all over across the country and, and allowing cities to put on, you know, great performance. And, and I think it's cool because, you know, not every city can have a Super Bowl just because of how big that is. But they can have a part of the NFL experience um, with different things. And, and this draft is really cool. I think it's going to be really great for the kids. There's going to be a lot of kids that are come out there and get to do a lot of cool things with the NFL, uh, you know, with they have in the outfields at the play 60 thing NFL or experience. NFL experience. I mean, they're going to have the 40-yard dashes and all the rings. And, um, you know, there will certainly be a kid out there in the crowd today that will be either a player or be a front office member one day. And I think that they'll probably use this experience that the NFL has provided um, to really spark that interest. Would, would you have gone to this if it were oh, yeah. near you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'd have been there all three days, and <laughs> I would have been, you know, trying to network to see if I can get tickets for sure. <laughs> Would you be the guy booing if Chiefs Probably, yeah. <laughs> Brett, I know uh, teams are different when it comes to like, uh, taking guys off the board, whether mm -hmm. it's a character or an injury thing. You mm -hmm. know, one doctor might say, okay, one might. Taking those out of the equation, what round does it usually start where you're like, oh, that's, we didn't have that. We, we would never take that guy. Like, you know, where, where teams start to spike in different directions, and somebody takes someone where you're like, oh, I can't believe they took that guy. Like, where does that, you know, not, not that they're, I'm not saying you demeaning the other team for doing it, but just for whatever reason, you, you start seeing guys come off the board that there was no chance you were going to take them in Oh, I mean, it happens in round one. I mean, yeah, there'll be guys. Um, that you wouldn't take at all? So yeah. So people go in the first round yeah. and you're like, we wouldn't touch the guy. Yeah. Not, not character or injury, just the Oh, just you mean just the yeah, Italian? Yeah, Oh, um, I would say that, um, I, I would say usually it gets, every now and then there's maybe... I mean, and look, maybe say, teams say that about us, right? But I would say every every year I, it definitely starts in the third round. But um, I would say, for the most part, I, the first 50 guys are probably consensus guys. I think once you get past 50, there's a smaller deviation. But then once you get to the third round, it's all bets off. And there's guys that we have in the seventh round that go top of three and, and, and vice versa. So um, for sure the third round. Um, and then every year there's always probably a couple, you know, guys that we probably have in – three or four going two, early two, or something like that. that. That happens. I don't think it's a rarity. And like I said, I'm sure there's guys that we probably drafted in, in the seconds or third rounds that teams had lower. So um, I would just say from a volume standpoint, I think you really start to see it starting with the third round. Um, you'll get some curveballs here or there in rounds one or two, but, I mean, the numbers aren't super high. And plus, real quick with that, it does, I think it may have been more likely back in the day now with social media and all the mocks and every, like there's no secrets anymore and some guys that you think this guy's going to be a seal here in three it's like by the time the whole process ends it's consensus across social media that this guy's going in one and and so i i think and, and maybe it doesn't necessarily mean a guy jumps from three to one but i mean the guy's not a sleeper or what have you or a small school guy there's just so much coverage on every aspect of this i mean the pro days get live you know networks coming down there doing live feeds so there's not a lot of secrets so it, it's been less over the years yeah, Brett, whenever you're deciding between potentially trading up for a player, what intangibles or characteristics do you really want to have boxes checked to make that move? Well, I think it's just um, the intangibles and the characteristics. I think all that is is done as we're setting the board. And in regards to, you know, the on the aggressive scale, how aggressive we are, it's just how we feel about that player. Um, 
but the player and the values are, you know, it, that's part of, you know, the, the makeup, the versatility, the character, the work ethic that all encapsulates, you know, what we feel about this player and where he is. And then once he's locked in on that board, if he's in that range and we're in a zone where we think we can't get him or he won't make it to us, that determines kind of, um, you know, our aggressiveness or our level of aggressiveness. Yeah, I mean, he's he's down there with Pat. He's one of these guys that were down there throwing. Um, I mean, talent-wise, it's I mean, it's it's up there. I mean, he's 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 really good. I mean, he he can do anything. He he's predominantly been a guy that is a slot receiver, returner, runner, gadget guy, if you will, but. I don't know if there's a limit on his game because he has a vertical game. I think we've seen it just a little in the Jacksonville game, the um, regular season Jacksonville game. Um, you know, his time in college, I don't know if they were a team that pushed the ball vertically down the field. And then his time early on in New York, I don't know if they were a team that really vertically pushed the ball down the field. So, I mean, it's, it's a fair question to say, has he ever played with a quarterback that likes to push the ball down the field? Now, we got him in here in the middle of the season, and so there's only so much you can do with him. Um, but I don't think he's limited to a specific role, and it'll just be a matter of, like it is with all these players, just staying healthy and getting through camp. He's extremely smart, though, so it, it's not going to be anything grasping ideas or concepts. I mean, this kid is really smart. And it, it, we were surprised by how quickly he picked up. I mean, I mean, some guys it takes a year or two, but I mean, now we listen. We condensed it because we were in the middle of the season. There's only so much you can do and and get him on board with. But um, but he picked up that stuff really easy. So, um, I mean, listen, it's, we have a lot of high hopes for him. I mean, he was a first-round pick for a reason. There's a reason why we traded him, and we felt like he was first-round talent. So, um, you know, I think if he stays healthy and continues to um, just build that chemistry with the, the coaching staff and with Pat, which I think he's doing a great job at, I, I think the sky's the limit for him. Nate? Brett, one of the last steps is the pre-draft visits, bringing guys in. Um, I know sometimes it's for medical or for obviously answers that you want to get, but what do those – Visits do for you guys in terms of maybe that swings a guy closer up the board, or, or obviously you might have an answer where you sort of take him off the board. Can you generally go through why that last step is needed? Yeah, and Nate, I think you, I think the first part I think you hit on. Um, most of these guys we bring in, they weren't invited to the combine. Um, the great part about the combine is you get to interview the guys, you get to work them out. But I mean, they get they go through pretty extensive medical. The guys don't get invited. I, you don't really have anything. You don't have any updated imaging on them or MRIs, X-rays, what have you. So, uh, all these guys that we think are draftable prospects, I think first we let's bring them in. But then there's also a handful of guys that we liked and maybe we just didn't get a great first impression on when we met with them at the combine. So we like to spend that time to just cross our T's and dot our I's. And, and there's been times where, um, you know, we bring guys in and and we weren't comfortable with them. The pre-combine process weren't comfortable with the combine, but you know, we like the tape so much. Let's just make sure one more time, and um, you know, it usually just kind of solidifies that thought. But there's there's times uh, I think um, um, I'm trying to think. I think Jalen Watson last year, um, he was a guy that I think that we met at the combine, and we were kind of weren't sure that this would be a great fit. Uh, but we liked him, and we wanted to bring him back in. We had, I think, we had the combine medical on him already. But he was a guy that. Um, we brought back into the facility last year, and, and you know, both my staff and the coaches kind of did a 180 on him. I'm like, this kid just, you take him out of that combine environment, he had a chance to kind of just 
relax and you know he's been through a lot in his career trajectory but he that was a great example there where I, I I don't think we were comfortable drafting him in any round after the combine and we brought brought him in here and I mean it was just a completely different story we fell in love with the kid and um, we we're super excited to draft him and he's done done a great job for us so I mean it, it's one of those things just let's be sure on the guys that you like and um, and it can go in both ways it, it could maybe potentially take a guy off the board but also could put a guy back on the board Potentially, I think that they're always going to work, and and I think this was brought up at the owners' meeting, and Coach Shanahan talked about it, and um, potentially down the line of having the ability to uh, elevate uh, a practice squad player. Um, so I think one of the things that was being discussed is if teams that carry two quarterbacks, they're um, they're going to have a, a practice squad guy that is dressed game day, and if there is an emergency where the, both quarterbacks can't come in, that you can elevate a third quarterback. I think there'll be a lot of league discussions about that. I certainly don't think that that's a position that the league wants teams to be in. Um, I think teams are going to formulate their roster, though. I don't think that – and I think Kyle said this at the um, owners' meetings. I, I think that if you have a really good fourth running back or fifth tight end, you're not going to keep running backs. You're not going to keep another quarterback just on the thought of a once in a – you know, shot in the moon here, like what happened with the Niners. I, I think Kyle was right in saying that um, teams aren't going to formulate it. I mean, they're going to put their roster together to give them the best advantage, you know, week in and week out. And I don't think, you know, the thought of losing two quarterbacks in the same game is something that probably coaches or jams are going to, they're probably going to just go against the percentages of that happening. So um, I think teams will continue to do what's best. Now, listen, if you have a good young prospect that you want, like, for example, you have a veteran, but you have a good young prospect. I mean, we were like that last year where thought it could be Chad Henney's last year and weren't sure, but we think Shane has a lot of developmental upside. So you keep those guys, but teams that just have a clear-cut one and two, I don't think teams are just going to start keeping third quarterbacks and cutting a really potentially like a Nazi Johnson last year or a Cochran last year. I think teams are going to keep those guys and they can be players. So, um, But I do think, though, that's at the league level now, and um, I, I, I'm sure that this will be um, – something that's on their radar and, and it could get um, worked out with a, something as simple as just a, a practice squad player being able to suit up and, and be ready if needed. PJ? Brett, um, y'all brought a number of guys back from last season. Um, have there been any, any talk with Jarek and kind of what's the plan for the running back going forward? Yeah, I think um, there has been some talk with Jarek and I mean, he's certainly a guy that we love and greatly admire and um, I think this follows a similar trajectory as last year where I, I think Jarek just likes to take his time and um, Make sure that he's he's ready to go both physically and mentally. And um, I think you know I think the timeline last year was right after the draft where we were able to get with him. So I think once we get past um, next weekend, I think we'll, we'll double up with a lot of these guys that might still have a, a chance to be on this roster. Todd, last question. Um, I, I was just curious if you could take me inside the process because you guys are used to drafting late in the first round, right? Mm -hmm. So you're at the mercy of the other teams. When do you start laying the groundwork for conversations with other GMs about? Can I get up to 15? Can I get up to 21? And that kind of stuff. And do you ever have to give assurances like, hey, we want, do you have to tell them who you're going up for or anything like that? Like, just what's that conversation like when you're trying to move around? Yeah, typically um, what we do is, you know, like for example, this year at 31, I, I think we'll find a range of, uh, you know, where we think um, we'd be comfortable moving up. Um, we'll, kind of highlight a few guys that we think if they fall to a certain point, they'd be worth it. And then we'll figure out, you know, I mean, last year, for take for example, we, we moved from, I 
think it was 30 to 21 or 22. I don't know if it was a three and a five we gave up. So I think we started looking at those values and um, the charts are never ac like completely accurate because some teams may be willing to take a little bit less. So I think w what we do is we'll probably give or take one or two on each side. We'll, we'll get to a range, so call it 30 to 20. Um, and then maybe from teams 18 um, to 30, we'll just call and say um, prior to the draft. Um, what would you be thinking on draft day if you were not comfortable with, you know, or if, I shouldn't say not comfortable, but what would you be thinking on draft day if, if, if you wanted to move out of that pick? Um, we like to have those conversations ahead of time so that teams aren't on the clock and then they're trying to tell you what you want and then you're trying to say, well, you're using the Cowboy board, we're using the, the Cardinals board, and you're using the Detroit board. So, like, t these teams all have different boards. And so we reach out and, like I said, we'll get, you know, we'll, we'll touch base with the first, you know, 10 teams, 12 teams in front of us. We'll, um, our guys will call their guys. We'll have a communication on what, who's using what board. And so that when we get to that pick, we've already had discussions of, with teams 18, 19, and 20, that if we get there, they're using this board, and this is what they would want, and this is what we can expect if we wanted that. So it's not like trying to figure out, um, again, what board and exactly the, the numerical count they're using, because then, I mean, things happen quickly here, so you have to be prepared. So we do a lot of this on the, on the back end. And usually it's most of the time we spend Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays before the draft just making sure that teams know that we're interested, uh, either trading up or trading back. And, and we know the teams that are interested in trading down, and we know exactly what they want and what board they're using. And do you ever have to give the assurances about, like, hey, we won't take this player or anything like that? No, because I think if a team wants a player, they're going to take them regardless. Um, we just want to know if they're interested in moving back, what they want, and ahead of time. So, again, like, we're not having this debate on, you know, whose chart's right and why they, we're using this chart. Like, let's just get that out of the way early and, and, and know what we're dealing with. Oh yeah, so um, I was joking with Ted. Um, my my son does um, some doodle arting. I guess it's called doodle art. I guess that's the big thing with the young kids now. So they do that in school, and I, I kind of joke with them one day. This was a black and white print, and I joke with them one day. I said that'd be really cool, and um, mom kind of said, you know, dad should wear that next time he does press. So, um, needless to say, they had the t-shirt wait, waiting for me before I left today. So, I figured I had a rocket today for a little support. Good luck. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you.